The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. And this is like my fifth time trying to record this episode, so hopefully it'll go well. Okay, <laughs> this today's reading is from Epictetus' Discourses, Book 3, Chapter 12, and this is just a short excerpt, not the whole thing. Since habit is such a powerful influence, and we're used to pursuing our impulses to gain and avoid outside our own choice, we should set a contrary habit against that. And where appearances are really slippery, use the counterforce of our training. This is a fundamental pillar of Epictetus's approach to Stoicism, namely the use of impressions. So when he talks about impressions, he means the, the view that we form of reality which is often based on things that are superficial, on things that are immediate, on, on our own desires or our fears or our anxieties or our wishes, uh, and which are not actually rooted in reality. And the, the trick is to be able to detect when we're being duped by an impression and to, to dismiss it and replace it with something that is more accurate. And just... I've made other episodes on this, which I'll link in the show notes, but let me just read another excerpt from the Discourses, book two, chapter 18, where he talks about this method. He says, in the first place, do not allow yourself to be carried away by the intensity of your impression, but say, impression, wait for me a little. Let me see what you are and what you represent. Let me test you. Then afterwards, do not allow it to draw you on by picturing what may come next, for if you do, it will lead you wherever it pleases. But rather, you should introduce some fair and noble impression to replace it and banish this base and sordid one. So that's that's the overall method is you catch yourself being about to be duped by an impression. You question whether that impression actually represents reality. And if it doesn't, you you resist being taken in by further imaginations about what's going to what's going to happen, you know, whether that's catastrophizing or whether that's that's imagining that your wishes will be played out automatically and that everything's in your control. And instead, you replace it with something more realistic. But the question is, how do you do this? And that's what really led me to this to today's excerpt, which is he he identifies a specific tool in the stoic stoic arsenal that you can use, which is which is habit. Unfortunately, he doesn't really give us examples of this, and that's where we turn to our 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 real teacher Shlomo Hamelech in Mishle. And as we know, Shlomo Hamelech's approach is to take these ideas, which are relatively simple and abstract, but to 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 really help us internalize them by attaching them to particulars, okay? So there are many examples of what I'm about to talk about in Mishle, but I think this is the first time I saw this particular technique, which is going to be in Mishle Yud Aleph Tesvav, Proverbs 11.15. The Puzzle says, Ra ye roa ki arav zar, vesone tokim boteach. A person will be utterly broken by co-signing for a stranger, but a hater of handshakes will be secure. Now, before we even talk about the puzzle, let me just make sure that we understand what co-signing for a stranger means. Uh, I know when I taught this in high school, students were not familiar with co-signing. Okay, so here's the case. Okay, Reuven wants to borrow $100 from Shimon, but Shimon is uncertain about whether Reuven's going to pay the $100 back. So Reuven comes up to me and says, hey, Rabbi Schneeweiss, will you be a co-signer on this loan? And what that means is that, that if... Reuven fails to pay back the $100 to Shimon, 
then if I'm the cosigner, then I'm agreeing to cover for him, uh, to pay him back. So what this does is it basically allows Shimon to rest assured that he's going to get $100 no matter what. Either he's going to get it from Ruvain if Ruvain pays back, or if he doesn't pay back, then he'll get it from me. So either way, he's covered, and the money goes to Ruvain, and everyone's happy. Okay, now, when I say everyone's happy, <laughs> that's only if, uh, if, if everyone does what they're supposed to do and everyone could be relied upon. But what Mishle is warning us about is it's saying don't co-sign for a stranger. Okay, meaning that that if I know Ruvain, if he, let's say he's a good friend of mine who's trustworthy, I'll have no problem co-signing for him because I know he's going to pay back his loan. And it really is no risk for me or very little risk for me because I'm I'm agreeing on the off chance that he can't pay back his loan, uh, I'm agreeing to to pay a hundred bucks, right? But if Ruvain is someone who I don't know, and and uh, I co-sign for him, so I'm basically pledging myself to to uh, I'm I'm anchoring myself to a risk that is that that for all I know, I mean, all I know that this is uh, for all I know this is a huge risk. Maybe this guy's not trustworthy at all, and I'm just going to have to pay the hundred bucks. So, so the question, there's two questions here. Question number one is why would, why is this advice necessary? It seems really dumb to co-sign for a stranger. So why does Shlomo HaMelech have to, to warn us not to do this? Secondly, the second half of the Pasuk is more troubling. He says, a hater of handshakes will be secure. Now, now he doesn't say a hater of, of handshakes for strangers. He says a hater of handshakes, period, right? So why does he have to go to such an extreme thing to say that you have to hate handshakes? Okay, so there are a lot of, uh, as always, there are a lot of good mafarshim, a lot of good commentators here. But Rabinu Yona really identifies the, well, okay, let, let me give my own interpretation of the first part, and then I'll read Rabinu Yona for the second. So, the, the the question of why do we need this advice? So the answer is like this: is that co-signing for a stranger, if you if you assess it from uh, a risk-taking perspective, it's very risky. But the thing is, is that when Ruben asked me to co-sign for him. So, and I co-sign. So first of all, it's a very easy thing to do and it's a nice thing to do. In other words, I, all I have to do is just, is just sign on the dotted line. And I feel like I'm doing a big favor to Ruvain and I don't feel like I am, I don't feel like it cost me anything because there's no cost right now. The cost is just an abstraction in the future. You know, if, if, if Ruvain said, can you give me a hundred bucks and I will not pay you back? Of course, I'm not going to do it. But if he said, oh, could you co-sign for me in the, in the odd event that I can't pay back my loan? So I, I, there's no immediate cost and it feels like I am getting an immediate benefit because he's in a dire situation and I am helping him. So that's why people get duped into doing this. And this is, remember, this is not just about co-signing. I mean, this has to do, oh, actually, let me, let me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue uh, explaining this puzzle and then I'll, I'll extend it to other cases. So let's do Rabbeinu Yona on the second half of the puzzle of one who hates handshakes will be secure. So Rabbeinu Yona says, Higdil laharchik ha'arvus v'amar kilo yivtach behono zulasi mish yisna hamida hazos ki akreshu sone hanohagim ken yizahir mihadavar Okay, so in other words, that if a person, the only way to get out of this is, uh, I'm just going to read that last word, someone who hates this trait, um, uh, meaning who hates the the, the behavior of, of co-signing for strangers, uh, that's the only way you're going to get get out of uh, of this uh, this tight spot. If you hate people who do this, 
not hate people do this. If, well, he says, if you hate this behavior, you will be careful about the thing, and you will distance yourself from it, and you will not stumble in it. But as long as you don't hate this behavior, then you are not secure. You can't be sure that you won't fall into this. When people, when this other guy uh, seduces you and, and, uh, and, uh, supplicates before you, Larov Aruva, to to co-sign for him. And you will not be able to restrain your spirit from helping him. Okay, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have chosen the Rabbinian Yon. It's a little cumbersome in the wording there. But what he's saying is like this, is, is exactly what Epictetus is saying, is that it's not enough to just intellectually know that this is a big risk. You have to cultivate a, a stigma to act as a counterforce against all handshakes. Okay, in other words... Because this is a very tempting thing and it seems easy, and because this guy is going to be pleading to you, please just co-sign for me. I promise, I promise I'll pay back my loan. So it's very easy to just get duped by that impression and to to fall into that. So what you have to do is you have to to almost use, I mean, uh, I guess the term would be conditioning. You have to condition yourself to react with repulsion to any sort of agreement, even beyond this, that of co-signing, so that anytime someone asks you to make an agreement, you pause and you say, wait a minute, I, I'm not going to do this until after I think about it. And what this does is, is by casting this large net, or I guess making this large fence around committing to agreements, it will give you that space, you know, that, 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 that mental space or that chronological uh, pause where you can then step back from your impressions and test whether they're actually real or not. So again, maybe this is still too abstract because cosine is not something that uh, that often comes up in, at least in my day-to-day -day life. But I'll give you an example in my day-to-day -day life, which is a problem that I, I have been working on a lot. Uh, I used to have this problem, I guess it started in when I was teaching in high school and, uh, and has continued uh, now, which is that basically saying yes to everything when it comes to, uh, to teaching. Okay. When, when someone asks me if I can do something, whether it's, it was in my high school job or in my current job, then it's very hard for me to say no, because number one, teaching is something that I love to do. And number two is it's objectively good. And number three is I usually can do it. But the problem is that I would end up overextending myself or overcommitting myself and saying yes to a bunch of these things. And then they add up and then I burn out. And then that makes me not able to teach. So so one of the things I've been working on is trying to implement this technique in my own life in order to draw healthier boundaries between uh, in within my work and also between my personal life and my work life. And, and I'm basically trying to cultivate a hatred of handshakes, which is that instead of my, my default response being yes, I want my default response to be no. And I can always... I can always go back after I've said, well, not always, but it's easier to go back once I've said no and then say, okay, fine, I reconsidered and I'll do it. It's easier to go back there than to say yes automatically and then back out. So this is an example of the of the use of habits as a counterforce, like Epictetus is saying, where, where you know that if you get into a certain situation, you're going to be duped by your impressions. So you set up a counterforce that forces you to stop and to ask whether this is really a wise move to do. And, and this method of hating all handshakes in order to avoid getting duped by the cosigner is, uh, even though it seems extreme because you're, you're really, you're, you're cultivating a habit around a much broader category of action than, than the specific 
type of action you want to avoid. Nevertheless, it's a good way to ensure that you're gonna, not going to get caught up in that action. So just to summarize here, that if you find yourself getting sucked into making uh, commitments that are are going to end up costing you more than you're willing to to give up, so then find a strategy to create a counterforce of repulsion or hatred towards the step that leads into that and apply it across the board. And hopefully that'll help you pause enough to be able to actually examine the impression and not get tricked by it. Okay, I hope that was clear. Uh, that is it for today's episode. If you've learned, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you'd like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are at MattSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.